Welcome. My name is Eddie Arrieta. This is Fulfilling Work Life. We intend to talk to leaders, professionals, remoters, human beings from all around the world who share with us their knowledge. Join me in this daily journey. Brittany Bond is a CEO and founder of Remote Collective, a company looking to democratize remote work to everyone around the world. We had a great conversation with Brittany about what the future of remote work looks like and what are the skills that she believes are going to make a difference in the next few years. So thank you so much for joining and enjoy this conversation. We are there. We are officially uh, live. Brittany, thank you so much. Uh, for joining us today. Uh, it's, of course, a pleasure to have you here. For all of those of you guys that, that do not know uh, who Brittany is, so Brittany is the uh, CEO and founder of an amazing company, um, Remote Collective. Um, she believes all people should have access to remote work, which is super interesting. That's going to be my first question, for of course. Uh, and she intends to make this a reality. Five years in consulting on transitioning teams remote. She helps companies with product, IT, operational, and culture. Uh, welcome, Brittany, uh, to Fulfilling Work Life. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on the show. Excellent, Brittany. And, and, and it has to be my first question. We have had, um, you know, dozens of guests so far and, and everyone has different missions, different ways in which they do work. Uh, and, and, you know, when I hear someone saying everyone should have the, 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 the right or access to remote work, it almost sounds like a human right. <laughs> and we've had people here that have talked about like internet access and water access and a lot of things. And when you talk about remote work, it almost sounds like a human right. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about your mission and, and, and why you're so passionate about this? Yeah, I, I've been working remotely even before I started consulting. My background's in corporate law, so I worked in intellectual property law. And ever since I was 19 working in a law firm, all I wanted to do was work remotely and like travel the world. And I didn't know how I was going to do this, but I just figured it out along the way. And what I did was I helped all of the law firms I worked for go remote, like helped us be paperless so that I had the opportunity to work remotely. So I would set up the whole systems internally, almost like as an um, yeah, internal entrepreneur. And... I was really upset that most of the culture that I dealt with in the legal system was so old school in the States and it didn't matter if we, if I set up everything perfectly, everything was electronic, they still were like, yeah, we want you to be in the office. And I just like, I really didn't resonate with that. I was like, no, I should have a right to be able to work remotely. And then I started um, delving into it. And when it, what really bothered me was creating the systems and making it possible. And then it was just someone's mental process deciding that um, or having a power struggle or ego or whatever trust issue with their employees where they just wouldn't let us work remotely. Um, and then that's when I was like, no, everyone should be able to have access to this. And it has so many benefits. And I, yeah, so that's why I think it's just like, it should be a right of everyone. <laughs> and it's super interesting because we talked about these with, with a few of our guests that, that of course, are remote advocates. And before COVID-19, um, everything seemed like it was, um, it, was, it was kind of like a knife to have. And everyone who was working remotely was kind of like a crazy person. And now it doesn't seem so crazy after all. What is the response companies are getting uh, um, now that you talk to them? Or what is the response you are getting uh, from the people that you are, you are talking to about remote work? Yeah, I mean, I was consulting for companies even before COVID. Um, but it was a lot of companies that were forced to offer remote work as um, 
it was nice to offer it as a like a nice perk. So, if, for instance, in Berlin, they have a shortage of uh, web developers, and they needed to offer remote work in order to have, you know, have people move in from London, all these other places where they could pay higher. But the, to answer your question, the the thing that I've seen is is now people are not only like, oh, this is a nice thing to have. Like everyone's dumped into remote work, so like thousands of employees are suddenly like. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to turn my laptop on. How do I connect through the VPN? And so that we're dealing with a lot of tech issues on foundationally, like first problem. And then the second problem, which we can go into more later, is the cultural aspect of like, my whole family is with me now working at home. How do I manage this? And how does someone work remotely in like all aspects? So it went from this is a nice thing to have to I'm very overwhelmed. My entire company is remote. How do we do this? That's a lot of me just holding the hand of like the CEO of like, we can do this. We'll work through this together. So that's been most of my work right now. Awesome. And, and, and how, how, how is it, how is it panning out? Because I presume there is also the, the several types of companies. There is a company that's like, okay, I want to survive this, this period until I'm back to the safety of, uh, you know, the office cubicle. And then there are companies that say, okay, right, this is a great opportunity to have an overall cultural transformation in the business. Um, how, how, is that, how is that like balancing types of companies around the work that you're doing? And I hope that most of them are trying to do this for the long run, but, but how, is, how is that panning out for you? It's a good question. I think everyone right now is in survival mode. They're just kind of like, can we get through this? Can we like you know, stop our losses? Can we keep our company going? And I think the people that are more holistic that are thinking of the big picture, they're like, oh, let's figure out how to do this long term. I think most people are not there yet right now. I think most people are just like, how do we get through this? But what I think will happen in the future is they'll look back, like it's kind of like they were forced into it and then reflectively they will look back and be like, oh, these are the benefits of it. Like we, we are starting to see the benefits. And then I think there's going to be a transition once things are starting to balance out with the coronavirus that people, when they have the option to go back to the office, I think they're going to go back for a little bit and then realize, you know, maybe remote work wasn't that bad or like maybe we're seeing the positive sides because it's always the first three months that suck. Like the first three months of remote work, you're dealing with tech problems. People don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to work at home. And then after that, things get into a flow. And so I think we're starting to see that like March was for most part when people started working remotely uh, in most countries um, and now we're into June. So that's, we're on the three month curve and I think people are going to start seeing the positive benefits and I'm hoping that the light bulbs will go off in their head and they'll start realizing like maybe we can do this long term, not when there's a global pandemic. Really great, and 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 I have a question about that because I presume also that all of these companies that are contacting you and they, they've never done this before, they all of a sudden are encountered with a completely new way of doing things, and there must there must be so many myths in their heads about like what remote work is, and and to me one of those has to be with with digital nomadism. People equate remote work with digital nomadism, and they're like, oh, but I don't want to be traveling the world. It's like that, that doesn't mean that like the fact that you're a digital nomad might mean that you're a remote worker but the fact that you're a remote worker does not mean that you're a digital nomad what are some of the other myths or even if you can comment on that what are all the myths that you have like encountered with the companies that you're working with yeah i mean i think the biggest one right now is a lot of people are working at home with their kids and and yeah i mean i this is something i've come up against because i am a digital nomad and i i am i'm technically right now on Koh Phangan, which is like an island in Thailand in this very paradise location. And I've been traveling for five years and working remotely, but I have dipped in and out of corporate life through all of that. And the thing that people say is like, 
is just this is just a fad. But I think when I talk about people should have the right to promote, work remotely, it's like people should be able to have the right to work remotely one day at home a week, you know, in a big city when they don't want to commute or like if they're not feeling well, but they can still get some work done, they should be able to have access to work working remotely or if they want to extend their holiday and just work an extra week in a foreign place and they want to come back. It should be for the normal everyday person. And how do we build that in when it's not a perk? It's like a, it's a right. It's like a thing that's not a big deal to have. And I think that's the mentality I want to change is that this shouldn't be an add-on. This should be like a health benefit that we're giving holistically to our teams because it's such a positive thing for them. Like right now we're seeing all of the craziness because we literally are facing a global pandemic. Um, but I think overall, like, you know, working remotely has been proved there's so much data already out there that is good for our health. It's good for our well, health and wellness. Like when I lived in New York City, I can't tell you like how amazing it was that whenever I needed to, I could wake up and say, I'm gonna work remotely today. I'm not gonna take the train into work. I don't have to deal with all these people. I can just have a calm day at home and get the same amount, if not more work done at home than I would have if I had to go into the office. And it's amazing that you just mentioned like the tr train to go somewhere. Like now I'm just thinking about when I've like had to like get out of the house and I usually ride my bike, my, like my bicycle. And like, it's still better than going on the train, but this is still like not right now in my head. Like I'm just thinking about it and it just feels like a lot of like cognitive, I don't know what, <laughs> like it's hitting my brain and it definitely doesn't feel calm. Like it feels like, like noisy. It feels heavy. It feels, so it, I imagine that like, like psychologically speaking, there is so much weight into having to decide to go to a different location to go and do something. And, and I, I presume, of course, you've experienced remote work for many years now, and, and you've traveled the world to so many places. Not every profession, unfortunately, yet can be done remotely. But what are some of the things that someone can do to start working towards a remote setting for themselves? Yeah, this, this is something people ask me all the time. So I actually, I just want to put out there, I've started a YouTube channel just for this because I got, I get these questions so much. Amazing. So my YouTube's remote collective. It literally is me sitting down interviewing people and asking them like, how do you pay your bills? How do you start working remotely? And what I find fascinating is that a lot of people are not in traditional like developer designer professions. Like we have like scientists and people like working on their thesis or like people that just do like these random things that are like traditionally we wouldn't think work remotely. But the first step in order to get into those positions, I think, is to sit down and write out like what are your current skill sets? And then how can you transfer any of those skill sets into a remote work position, even if it's only part time at first? Or what are, the, what are the professions you want to get into? So this is like a big career job opportunity that you could be having. Um, and how can you pivot some of those skill sets to add to it? So I don't think like I, my background's in law and I use a lot of my law stuff in my current business consulting in the startups that I work on because it doesn't, I don't think you should leave all of that and be like, I'm going to just start over here. And like, there's so much that you could be transferring, like transmuting into your new role of whatever that is. But I think the first step is like literally getting a piece of paper out and sitting down and writing out like, what am I doing now? What skill sets do I have? What do I want to be doing? Um, I've done this a lot in my business consulting. I work with a lot of women entrepreneurs, especially. And 
it's crazy how much people undervalue their own skill set. They think like, oh, well, I have to go to get a degree in this and someone has to give me permission to do this. Remote work is like the Wild West. It's like you really can reinvent yourself. No one cares what law degree you have. It's just like, can you do the work? Can you, are you, do you have a good attitude about being a go-getter? It's kind of very, like remote work equals like whole startup for like the whole world, which is very exciting for me. I'm from California, so I love all the startup stuff. <laughs> and it's amazing because you, you, what you're mentioning is exactly that. It's almost like if, if you say you know how to do something, we just got to do it, right? You just got to get started there. And I have a super great question for you. And maybe we could use this in one of the resources we're going to take out, which is we're trying to connect with the lost generation, people with zero experience that are coming out of college now. And then all of a sudden they think, oh my goodness, I am doomed. And all I'm thinking is, you've got internet, you've got a computer, you've got a great mind. And there are literally millions of people that, you know, have the ability to actually do amazing work in any company around the world. So if you were in the shoes of someone with zero experience, which I don't think it's real because we all have life experience. If you are in the shoes of someone with zero experience, what would you recommend to them today? They are coming out of college, they have zero experience, but they've got all these tools at, at, the, at their disposal. I would say that I graduated high school in 2008 in the US when the stock market crashed and my parents lost their house and like everyone was losing their pensions. So it's not what it is now, but it was like a really terrible time to be trying to start your life. And I think the best thing that I can tell everyone who's listening is the hardest part about working remotely, the hardest part about anything is just deciding you were going to do the thing. So once you've decided like, I am going to find a remote job, then you stop wasting energy of, can I do it or can I not do it? You're like, I'm going to do it. And it's like going to be X, Y, and Z and I'll figure it out later. So like the first thing is just decide, like, I'm going to do a remote job. If nothing else, if you have no other passions that you want to go after, because I really think if you list out the things you're interested in, you can find a way to do some of those things remotely. Like I interviewed like scientists and yoga teachers who are like teaching yoga to like the New Zealand fo national football team here on Copenhagen. There's so many random things you could be doing. If you can't figure out any of those things, the world already is understaffed on developers and it's so easy to learn how to code online on so many different platforms. So while you're figuring out the rest of your passions and all these things, it's, it's really easy to learn how to code. Like I know how to do it. I don't like it, but I know how to do it. And it's very, very good revenue stream and you can do it anywhere in the world. Excellent. Thank you so much for, for, for that insight. And of course, I do know that, that you have traveled all around the world and there are many places where, where you, you travel and work. And may, maybe this is more directed to those that are thinking about digital nomadism, those that are thinking, you know what, maybe, you know, I'm not a digital nomad, but I could go to another country and see what, what that's like. Um, how, how did you start doing this? Because you, you, you were not born moving from country to country, uh, but how did you start doing it? And, and how, how did you consolidate that, that lifestyle of I live outside of my home country? And perhaps I could even move to another one whenever I decide to do so. Yeah, I, so yeah, I'm from California, startup being a go-getter, all these things. So I, I was the crazy person that in 2014, when no one was working remotely, I didn't know what digital nomads was. I moved to Costa Rica, a country I'd never been to, lived on the beach uh, where I was the only one working remotely, like in a town of surfers. 
and I was really the only girl around. Um, and then I was like, why is no one else doing this? And why is, why, especially, well, why are women not doing this? And so I really wanted to go back into corporate, make some money and figure out a company that I could start to do this. And so I went back to New York. I started working in another law firm and I started building a startup on the side, which I ended up partnering with some other people and we built a co-living travel company. So that's how I started. And then this is in 2016 when we launched. Um, and so we started going all over South America, Europe, and Asia. And a lot of these places, digital nomad scenes were not there. So we started making them. I literally created digital nomad communities around the world, which was very exciting. Um, and if someone wants to get into this, I would always say like, go to the places where there's a lot of digital nomads already. So if you want to find those places, when you're on Facebook, literally type in the city and type digital nomads. And there's a Facebook group for almost every city, major city in the world. The major ones that I really love, like Chiang Mai has been my home base um, in Thailand for four years. So Chiang Mai Digital Nomads is a pretty terrible Facebook group. If you're a woman, there's Chiang Mai Nomad Girls, which I recommend. Um, but those Lisbon, my, one of my best friends, Rosanna, started Lisbon Digital Nomads Group. They have 11 organizers now. They're doing events every single day. Even now, they're just launching the new events because the city is opening up. Medellin in Colombia is a very big one. And then one that I want to start um, investing in and building is Cape Town in South Africa. So those are some that I love. But I would say if someone's like, how do I get started? I think the hardest part, <laughs> I don't know about this with after COVID, is the hardest part is getting on the plane, just tr doing your first trip. Because once you get out there, you realize like everyone's so nice. Everyone wants to share. Everyone's trying to help each other. There's like this global family of people who travel and work online. And that's why I've been doing it. I can't stop doing it because like this is I when I go home, people don't seem normal to me because they're not talking about the next country they're going to be in or the startup they're working on. When I'm out here, everyone's doing something and everyone's always traveling and it's very exciting and inspiring. So this is like the community that I want to be part of. Super similar because Marcela Fernandez from Selena and she's also a digital nomad. She's one of my best friends. Yes, fantastico. <laughs> and uh, also Tarek was here with us. Tarek is, is, is amazing as well. Uh, they, uh, she, she, she said uh, in this show last week, she said it's like a tribe. You are part of a global tribe and everyone is trying to be together. And I was like, that is amazing. I also met a family of nomads, which uh, nomad families are amazing because sometimes you think, oh, I want to have a family. I cannot do it. And he's like, no, you can't. In fact, uh, it'd be cheaper to educate your children if you move around because they'll learn the soft skills that they need to like lead anything in the world. Uh, I remember we were in Bali with... Um, I, I can't remember now what the company was, but his son just got there and there were a group of locals playing soccer, like 20 year olds. And he's something like 10 years old. And he's like, I'm going to go play soccer. See you in a bit. And he's like, what do you mean you're going to go play? So he's like, just goes there and starts playing soccer. And he's like, it is amazing the level of adaptability that people have. And this is kind of like the legway to, to the question that I have. I know there's probably a lot of companies now hiring remote. So that's my first question. What industries do you think are hiring remote now? And on those industries, what, what do you think are the talents or, or like hard and soft skills that you think those companies are looking for right now? I would say, I mean, the tech companies are probably the easiest start. I, I hate saying that because I think we're way more evolved in remote work past that. But Mostly everyone else is kind of scared, but there's still so many people that, I mean, the world is still going on. The economy is slowed down, but it's still going. So I would say there's, there's tech and then, the, you know, like digital marketing is a big deal. Um, so Facebook marketing, Instagram, everything, copywriting is always a big deal. 
Um, but to get into it, I think, I think the major quality that people need to have, which I would say our institutional school system and our corporate settings kills in us, is to be a go-getter. Like, to just be like, I'm going to figure it out. Like everyone from when we're born, I only can speak for my Western culture is like, we're kind of programmed to just follow the leader and to do what we're said and only to punch in and do exactly what we need to, to get the paycheck. Like we all join this like rat race. Um, and in order to, to really succeed in remote work, you have to break that mentally of being like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this done. And I know I've hired hundreds of people and that's, that's the quality that I look for is not whether they have the soft skills, like I, I can train anyone on anything or I can have someone else train them. But it's someone who's like, when I message you in the middle, not in the middle of the night, but like when I message you on your time zone during the day, are you going to reply to me and be communicative? Are you going to, you know, have those skill sets? Because it's, it's this whole other culture, like teams that I work with that work in the office that are now dumped into remote work, they think that they can manage their teams in the same way that they manage them in the office. And it's a completely separate culture online. And the way people show up online is very different. You can't just go over to someone's desk and say, hey, can I grab you for a minute and tell you something? So to be able to figure out those things is, it takes a minute, but I think the quality that I would say is just, just to be someone who's willing to try and willing to work hard at it. And I, I think like, especially for a lot of Americans and millennials, like we're kind of, we have had things very easy, you know, and now the world's changing. We have to kind of step it up. And it's very exciting. So There's so much money to be made. There's so many opportunities out there. But you have to be, like, willing to go jump on them. It's crazy because there, there's going to be so much mobility because of this. Because nobody's going to get it right to begin with. But they're going to have to learn along the way, like, what things work, what things don't work. And one of the things that and, – and, and I really want to ask you about this because it, it's, it's all about your, your – like, what, what you feel – uh, around your work and it might sound very superficial but there are days when the day ends and like most people feel uneasy stress overwhelmed they felt that even though they worked all day long they accomplished nothing they finished tasks and yet things didn't move forward their boss is not happy and yet they didn't have time to even spend a second with their family or with their loved ones or doing the things that they might be passionate about so i want to ask you Brittany, um from your work what are the things that 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 help you continue moving what is the thing that inspires you to work yeah, I really resonate with that. I mean, when people ask me when I worked in law, like, do I like it? I just said, like, I feel like I'm pushing paper around. Like, I didn't feel like I was really making an impact in the world. Um, and I, I think it really, I think COVID has helped us all slow down a little bit. And I hope people are using the opportunity to kind of dive deep and just ask themselves, not what does my family want me to do? Or what do I think I should be doing in the world? But like, what do I actually want to be doing? You know, like, wh like, what do I want to be doing? And so um, I, I pivoted a lot from my business events and I started to do like more connection events um, in the Nomad community here in Copenhagen. And it's been really interesting. Like one of the ones that we did last week was, because we're allowed to do events here because there's no coronavirus here, guys. Um, so one of the ones that we did last week, one of the opening questions I had people ask each other was, what is your deepest purpose in life? And I know that sounds like really deep, but it, it's crazy and it's crazy to have someone sit in front of you and you just ask and they just ask you again, you know, really what is your deepest purpose and you clarify. And for me, I've done that exercise enough that I know my deepest purpose in life is to help people feel brave and especially women. So I've done that in so many capacities and I 
I really want to help other people figure out what their deepest purpose is and like champion them to go out and get it. Because I think that we're, yeah, I mean, corporate environments and the economy really needs a lot of people to be cogs in the wheel and remote work, you can't be that. And so you have to kind of figure out what moves and shakes you because when you're sitting at home alone, there's no one going to be motivating you to keep going. So, yeah. And, 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 that, and, that's, and that's really interesting because it's super true when you're working remotely. Like your family sees you in the computer or your friends or you're alone, but nobody really is telling you, like, did you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish? Like if you didn't, what well, you didn't. You might have a daily stand-up meeting where you like report things, but at the end of the day, that truly doesn't matter. You might have not even fulfilled every single task, but did you move forward? Did you move forward that thing that you are really passionate about? And um, as you were speaking, I was like, wait, when was the last time I reviewed or audited my purpose in life? And it 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 hasn't been it hasn't been long, of course, but it feels like it was a long time. So I want to ask you, how often do you and of course you, you just mentioned you have done it a lot, so you know. Uh, but how often would you recommend someone who has never thought about this? And, and maybe a lot of the people that are listening to this or to the podcast might be thinking, I've actually never done this. Like how do I go about it? And then again, how do I continue auditing this to make sure I'm moving in the right direction? Yeah, that's something I consult on with people a lot because they're just like they just really have no clue where to get started. And so the best way to get started is to start journaling. I know this sounds very basic, but get a piece of paper, like a physical piece of paper and a pen because your brain does something when you see your own handwriting on paper and ask yourself, like, what is my purpose? Put on a timer for five minutes and do stream of consciousness writing, which means do not stop and just write whatever comes out. Don't look at it. Don't overthink it. And when timer goes off, stop and then read it. And it, I will tell you, you'll be so surprised what comes out. And then what I have people do is I have them make like a, a get a poster board and sticky notes and cut it into sections like business, personal, and then like fun, because we need to have fun in our lives more. Um, and then take whatever you wrote of like, what's your deepest purpose and make it into action points. And like just set a three month marker, like how far can I get? And like, I have this in my house, in my living room, everyone sees it when they walk by. It's very funny to have them look at it. Um, and when I reach those things, I take them off and it's so accomplishing feeling when you take something off and you start looking at it in three months, you just write a date at the top of like, this is my deadline to get this done. And then at three months, look at it and be like, did I accomplish it? You know, like, did I really make things move for myself in the world, not for my boss or my family or someone else? Like, do I feel like I'm moving things forward in my own life? And like, how did, how am I showing up for myself? And I think this is like a really big moment, like this whole thing that's happening in the world for us to figure this out. Yeah, I think I agree with you. It's, it's, everything has slowed down in such a way that you can, it might seem that it's slowed down. A lot of the people that are working remotely, in fact, it's increased uh, their productivity or they, they, are, they have more work. And I've also um, realized that a lot of people that never worked remotely before now are saying things like, oh, now this work, this remote work thing, now I'm working like three more times than I was before. And it's like, well, maybe before you were not working really hard. <laughs> or maybe before uh, you were not because you're not passionate about this so you, you don't have to do stuff but now that there is transparency then all of a sudden you're exposed to the reality of who you really are and, and, and I, I am a big believer uh, of like 
the mobility in work. Like if you don't like what you're doing, like just get, and I've led teams and I've basically what I say to the team is that is if you don't like it, like there are, like, I'll help you find a job. Like you're fine. Like I'll give you the salary until you find a job. Like, don't worry about the salary. Cause sometimes people think, oh, but if I leave, then I don't have a salary. If I did, I, I believe that digital nomads and remoters um, are probably the, the best equipped to not be afraid of the, let's say the rat race, what would you recommend to people that are working remote today, but are still prisoners of the rat race dynamics that are in there, which are, you know, salary and position, you still have that even if you work remotely. So how, how would you help someone kind of like move away from that? That's a really good question. Um, I think the first thing, you said something about people feeling like they work too much. And I just really wanted to comment on that because when you're dumped into remote work, um, a lot of time is spent proving that you're online versus actually working. And I think that's a lot of pressure that people feel in. It's like now it's, now it's performance-based, whereas before you're, you showing up and being physically in the office is proving that you are working. So people go get a coffee. Like I remember working at a law firm, like I probably only work three or four hours in an eight-hour shift or a 12-hour shift, but people thought I was working really hard, right? So there is that about being like very organized. You can get things done and sign off and like just have your team have the accountability that we will get whatever we need done and then we can go do our things in our life. And it's very hard to have that separation when you're at home because you're like, oh, my computer's here. Oh, someone just messaged me on Slack. I can just answer this. And then like hours go by and your kids are looking at you like, why do you hate us or something? So but I mean, if you're trying to get out of the rat race, I would just say, you need to focus not on fixing the current system of what we have, because that's not something one individual can do. I tried. It doesn't really work. Um, but start, yeah, figuring out, getting to know yourself more, because if you get to know yourself and you figure out what makes you tick and what makes you feel satisfied, it does not matter what corporate is doing. Like when I worked in criminal law, sorry, I'm in Asia, so this one um, when I worked in criminal law, I really enjoyed it because I felt like I was making impact, but it, it took a lot out of me. And so I had to like sit down and like, yeah, write it out. Like what were the pros and cons? Like I was helping these people, but it was kind of killing me emotionally. And so if you're in whatever corporate job and it's kind of sucking you dry, you need to make a pros and cons list of like, what do you actually like about it? Can I take these things I like and yeah, go find another job that makes me like, like it more? Or can I minimize the things that I don't like and really focus on the ones I do? So I mean, everything's solvable, but I think the, the biggest thing I would say is just get to know yourself more, which sounds a little bit woo-woo. I know I'm on like a spiritual Copenhagen island, but I really think like our health and wellness of our global society, a lot of times it's encouraged to shove it down, go get to coffee, go like go crazy on the weekends and then show back up at work. And now that we've all had to slow down, I hope, I'm hoping that we're realizing that that's not really a great, great lifestyle and that we can have a more balanced everyday life and not, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and I think this is one of the things that's related to um, what the general director of the World Health Organization was mentioning. And last year, they released uh, a campaign to make mental health accessible to everyone. And it's very interesting because when you talk about remote work for everyone and making that a reality, once again, it sounds like the things that we all humans deserve. And right? it's not about, you know, doing it. It's about having the access to do that. Um, how do you imagine the future will look like for people that work remote? What, what, what does the future that you ambition look like? I think most people are going to still be at their houses in the suburbs or wherever they live in the world, not like on a tropical island. 
But my vision is that everyone's going to have the ability to work from home at least one day a week. Everyone. In, a, in most office settings, you can transition to paperless and you can make work online. And we're all kind of proving that right now without, our, without a choice. So my goal is to have it where, you know, yeah, mental health. Like I, I merged with a mental health organization in London and did this big event with them because remote work and mental health go like this. Like they're so connected that I hope that, and it, it, mental health right now in the workplace is kind of a buzzword. And a lot of people are starting to put funding into it, like HR departments are starting to get budgets to fund this. And I hope that they start funding that towards allowing people to work remotely because it is good for their mental health, whatever that means. I think most of the world is not going to be like me where I've been in 50 countries in the last couple of years and bopping around everywhere. Um, but I think they're gonna have a more balanced work-life balance and that's, I think that's so easy to do and we're proving that we can work remotely right now. So now the best part and the best opportunity is the integration of it when everything goes back to normal. And, and, and it's very interesting what you're mentioning because you are right. A lot of companies are getting these budgets and, and everyone is going to continue thinking about remote work and continue thinking about mental health as this like moves on. Um, one of the challenges that I personally see is that a lot of these things are going to normalize. So everyone is like, yeah, I'm going to go to my mental health session. And he's like, are you truly understanding what you're getting yourself into? Uh, what do you think are the important aspects for people that work remotely or not uh, regarding mental health and their mental stability? I think it's having a very, very good routine. Like you need to give yourself your structure. Like that's what I was saying before. We've been so westernized into someone else telling us to do. Like you have to show up at school. You have to show up at work. Everyone's like monitoring you and you're working remotely, you're the only one monitoring yourself. So you need to like very quickly put yourself into a schedule or things will get very scattered and you'll feel, yeah, it's really easy to get depressed because you're alone and there's no accountability and all those things. The second thing I'll say is once you're allowed to in your country, if you're working remotely, find a co-working space, find a community that is not your office and go join them. Even if it's just one day a week, you're working in a co-working space. And most companies are giving budgets for this. So if you are the one in charge of your budget for your company, please allocate this for your team because it is so good for the overall benefit of your team, not just in a health perspective, but like in an actual revenue sense, because you're putting them in this environment where it's kind of an incubator, where people are from all different cultures, all different businesses and like skill sets, and they're naturally going to absorb that and integrate it into their job, which is going to help your company. And that is great. I, I, I have one question um, because this is something that I've noticed. And of course, when you start working on, on, on from co-working spaces, you are also uh, exposed to a lot of diversity. Not, I'm not talking, you know, ethnic or racial diversity. I'm talking about uh, ideological diversity. I'm talking about, you know, up here. Um, how, and, and I know it's important, but, but what role do you think, um, you know, intellectual and ideological diversity uh, play in, in the composition of teams uh, within their culture? Oh my God, it's so important. Otherwise, why have a team if you're, no one's, if people are not learning and growing within their jobs, they're going to move on, especially our younger generation. Like the cap on, on the average work is two years. Like if we can get them to stay in a job longer than two years, and I'm talking about you and I, Eddie, like if we can get us, I, I don't know, I can't work for anyone else, I've decided. But like someone like us who are go-getters who can work remotely they have a very different needs than someone who's just willing to plug in and like punch into an office setting 
And so you really need to think about that and you need to like spark their, their brain and by going, moving into a co-working space and being part of this like community, even if that's in your local city, like one of my favorite co-working spaces in the world is Impact Hub in Oakland. Like they have family dinners, they have family lunches. They call them sexy salad lunches at once a week. And everyone <laughs> brings like local stuff that they made or like things they got from their garden. And it's just like people go around in a circle and talk about what they're grateful for. And it really feels like a family dinner. Um, and I think that that, like that connection and also the intellectual stimulation is so needed. And if we can give that to our people, then they'll stay with us longer. They'll feel more fulfilled. They'll do better work and we'll make more money as teams. And, and I think that makes a, a lot of sense. I um, have, of course, a, a question that's not related to culture per se, um, but I, I do also know that um, some teams don't necessarily make an effort um, to be to to be like openly uh, or open about this or talk about these things. And we know what's happening. With, with you know what happened with blackout tuesday what's happening in the united states and you know all the racial tension that exists within the world and i think there are other types of tension uh when covid started um th there was a lot of racial tension against against asians because they'd say all oh, these asians right these chinese that they would say and and i think there are a lot of tensions around the world and some companies usually just decide to say the right thing but not really act upon any of these things um from from your perspective and and i do get the sense that the, you do uh, that you are a slight activist on a lot of different things uh, how important do you think corporate or company activism is to make change within the organization and in the world i think it's not a need i think it's like a necessity like like when i talk about yeah these type of human rights i think again our younger generation as we could turn into more middle management we're not going to be okay with just pushing paper around we're going to need to feel like we're making an impact we're making the world a better place and if you are saying things and not backing up with real actions as we can see this is not going to fly anymore and so it's like i really see a lot of corporates having a hard time in the next couple of years because people are just done with all of the the BS, you know, like we're not really okay with this anymore, you know, and, but I, that's why I always flip it and say like, it's such a good opportunity. And this is why I've gone back and forth from being in my digital nomad bubble on a paradise Island to living in London or going back to New York in February and like really talking to corporates about like, how can we shift this? Um, and it's a very exhausting conversation. Like, that's why I was saying like, I've tried to change it because they really, in big conglomerates, everyone's just fending for their own personal bottom line, their own personal KPI. And they're not thinking holistically, like, what is the programs? So startups and teams and big corporates can buy into it where um, they can buy into helping the local community wherever they are. And I think that that's such a great opportunity. So my answer is like, I have so much more to say on this subject. And I think there's such a big opportunity and I don't really even know where to start. Like, because it makes me want to scream when I see all these opportunities go by that we could be helping each other. And, and, and it's crazy. It's crazy because yeah. I see it in companies all the time. Right. And I consult different startups, some more than others. And one of the things that I realize is that we all fall 
always, always onto this trend of let's, let's become again, you know, the guys that punch the card. Now, the card is not that you have to be in the office at 8 a.m., but the card is you, you have a task and you need to finish it. And if you don't finish it, you should have done that. And it's like, I think human beings are much better at just talking about things. I think we're much better at, at being a group of six people and talking about things and figuring things that need to be done. And I hope one day computers can do that for us. I hope one day machines can do yeah. all of that so that we can focus on what we do best, right? We are political animals. We are social animals. What we need to do, it's mingle and talk, mingle and decide what the world needs to look like. And hopefully, you know, the machines and the computers can get all of that done. And I think this is similar to a question that Loreto is asking. Maybe we can go in that direction. Loreto is asking, hello, Brittany, could you also bring your approach to aspects of the manufacturing sphere? Like what's your take on manufacturing? Manufacturing in what way? What do you mean? Um, like uh, factories, um, like all these places that make... Uh, I mean, robots are taking over factories. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like Amazon, if you see, it's like robots are taking over. I mean, for me, like, I feel like as humans, yeah, as we get closer to the singularity, like the thing that we cannot replicate is our critical thinking skills. Like they say, like, um, skills needed for 2020 is is the things that computers cannot do, which is like, you know, as humans, we're wired for connection. How do we make it feel good? How do we make this like holistically work as an organization? And that's something like an AI robot can run a simulation on, but they're not going to be have the heart that we have. Um, I don't know if that's answering the. I think I don't understand the manufacturing question. So if you want to, yeah, I, I think I think from my perspective, what what I think Loreto is is probably going to is yeah. But, Manufacturers, and I, I know what you're saying, uh, you know, ro robots are taking over. So people are not, we're not going to need people in the factories anymore. Uh, I, I guess from my perspective is what, what, what are they going to be doing uh, if they don't have the skills to move? Like they don't have the skills to do what we're doing, right? Like someone would say like, is this work? It's like, I definitely don't consider it work, but we're definitely building something. We are moving something forward. Um, so so what, what's going to happen to them? And, and, and I guess I, I do okay, have my I opinions on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my opinion of that is instead of worrying about people losing jobs, start creating jobs and other things. And like, that's why I think it goes from a scarcity mindset to an abundancy mindset of like, there is so much money to be made out there and people are willing to spend money on things that we don't even realize yet. And there's so many industries that have not been created yet. Why don't we go out there and start figuring that out instead of worrying about protecting uh, the industrial revolution. We're going into another whole fourth industrial revolution, which is, which is this tech, technological age, you know? And like, why are we not embracing that? Why are we so worried about, like the, we're not worried about the agricultural revolution. We're not all like, let's go be farmers. So why are we worrying about like trying to protect people and doing jobs, which we, I don't think they were even fulfilled to do in the first place. No one wants to be a cog in the wheel. So I hope that answers the question. I, I, and I agree with that. I don't think anyone wants to be a, a I don't know, a tractor driver. I think people, people, people are stumble upon that. And then all of a sudden they get paid but i don't think anyone wakes up and says like i'm gonna be the and perhaps there is someone yeah, but but i do think like once again like i th i think human beings 
you can get like I someone asked me uh, in the team we're like okay because we do this show right in the mornings and then we also do it at night in Spanish um, and then they're like oh you know I have these names that I want to bring to the show these like super big names and and then I'm like oh you know what I really want to interview that guy who's like the keyboard player for this band because uh, I met him once and he sounds really great and da 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 they're like but nobody knows him I'm like exactly like like there is so much insight and wisdom and intelligence in in every single human being that when we talk about like farmers or manufacturers we're like oh yeah the, the, you know the guy from the factory is like almost as if they have nothing to offer and then I, it, it brings me back to what you were mentioned about like the abundance part of it uh, and you that you have traveled from all around the world have you have you seen this like in people like wisdom that is kind of like hidden and you're like wow yes. like i didn't expect that yeah and that's why i started my youtube channel um, because I was like, why is no one talking about this? Like, I don't want to talk about the developers or like these startups. Like everyone, that's, everyone has the coverage of that. I want to talk to the person who, like this guy I interviewed, he was an astrologer and now he's a consultant for financial investors on the stock market. And they literally pay him to tell them the astrology of what stocks. I don't even understand it, but I was like, I can't believe you're making money off of this. And, and this is a thing that works in the world. And I, I need to tell people about this. Like, those are the kind of people like literally if you're passionate about it, you can make money off anything. And that's the thing I want to like really drive home is if there's a will, there's a way. And I know that sounds really cliche, but remote work is making it, it is the next gold rush. It is the next uh, wild west. And a lot of people here on this island are into cryptocurrency. So that's also opening up a whole other thing and like the markets. Oh my God, there's just so much stuff out there that I think if people just open their minds to it, they would not worry about the things that are in the, in the past, you know? Fantastic. Brittany, thank you so much for the time uh, that you have uh, devoted to us. I do know that a lot of people are going to be asking, how do I find Brittany Bunn? Where do I find the content that you are creating? Where do we connect? And if we need help, you know, uh, with your consulting uh, and, and most, mostly from these like personal conversations like, that you could probably help us with, where, where can we find all this information? Yeah, three places. One, my LinkedIn is Brittany Bond. You can see my name here. It's spelled a little bit differently. Um, also, BrittanyBond.com is where I do all my consulting. I, I organize a women's online mastermind like every week all over the world. So there's lots of opportunities there for women entrepreneurs. And then um, I have a YouTube called Remote Collective. So I do all of my events. When I'm traveling around the world, I can't help but organize tons of events because I love doing that. And I also have a YouTube which shares all of this information, all the amazing people I find along the way. I just like put my camera down. I'm like, let's have a conversation. And I put that on my YouTube. So Remote Collective, LinkedIn, and BrittanyVaughn.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Brittany. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, this information you'll be able to find also on our Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TV, as well as LinkedIn when we get the extracts out of this and of the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about remote work and artificial intelligence uh, with the writer of a book called Between Brains. So that's going to be super interesting as well. Brittany, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And the next time you are in Medellin, 
let us know. Uh, I need we'll to come there. I've for, never for been there. Yes, I w- I'm coming. I'm coming. And thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Brittany, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to share, like, and comment if this content brought value to your life. You can find us on social media as We Are Torre. Explore more content at blog.torre.co. See you around.